and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 73rd episode of the podcast for the week of October 7th, 2019. So let's break it down a bit. Here's what to expect. The goal is to help guide and prepare you for the utmost awareness of the energy in the moment. For if you use the energy consciously, it has a better chance of working for you. I'll kick off the show with a weekly astro report, along with a few tarot polls and our animal ambassador of the week. Then a guest will join me in conversation around a chosen topic. And this week, I'm so happy to welcome Norway-based professional astrologer and lecturer at Polaris Astrology, Sol Jonasson, who's going to join me in a discussion on prepping for Saturn-Pluto. So before we get started here, please remember, as always, take what resonates and leave the rest, because only you know you best. So thank you so much for joining me here today, and if you'd like to show appreciation for my work and get early Sunday access to the podcast or the show notes to the podcast, you can do so for as little as $1 per month on Patreon. Uh, You can find out more at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. And of course, I have my Mel's tip jar if you'd like to make a one-time donation, which you can find at energeticprinciples.com. And also, I am making the announcement that I will not be on air next week because I'm going to take a week off when we have few transits uh, and some Neptune action in the sky. But I will be back on October 21st to chat with Aussie astrologer Alicia Youssef on this year's Scorpio season. So stay tuned for that. So let's get down to this week's astro report. Our lunar lady starts out the week waxing and growing in light in the airy, futuristic domain of Aquarius before moving into the sensitive seas of Pisces on Wednesday. She hangs out in this watery realm for a few days before moving into the fiery cardinal domain of Aries on Friday evening, and where she will continue to brighten until she reaches her full moon position midday on Sunday. Now, just a quick heads up that all time approximations are for North America. So if you live in Europe, at about eight hours. And if you are in Australia or the East, at about 17 hours. You know, basically the following day. And keep in mind that timing isn't always precise, as astrological transits, otherwise known as the connections that planets make to one another, have varied emphasis as they apply and separate. So it's quite possible to feel the energy sooner or later than the exact moment of contact. Well, my friends, we have quite the week ahead of us, not going to lie. there. This is a dynamic week. So we have the sun squaring both Saturn and Pluto and making a sextile to Jupiter. We have Venus moving into Scorpio and making uh, an almost immediate uh, opposition to Uranus in Taurus. We also have Mars, who is now in Libra, will make an opposition to Chiron, and Mercury is going to make a sextile to Saturn. And really, this whole week is leading up to Sunday's full moon in Aries. So let us waste no time and dive right in. 
On Monday, we start out with the week uh, with the moon in Aquarius, and she'll make an early, early trine to Mars, but really the meat of the day is that square to Uranus and a square to Mercury. Now, also of note, and especially with squares, we have the sun squaring Saturn that day. And so let's talk about that first, because the sun, the sun is our life force energy. It's our vitality. It's where we become aware of the purpose of things and turn a page. And of course, squares, uh, they're, you know, they're eventful. They are action-oriented, but they can be challenging and friction-inducing as well. And really, at the end of the day, it's nobody's fault. It just is kind of rubs, you know, (laughs) rubs a certain way. And so, you know, what are, where are we challenged? Well, that is Saturn. And Saturn is all about, uh, you know, authority figures, uh, structure, uh, the long-term, you know, obstacles, barriers, commitments, uh, foundations. And so, you know, here we have our, our biannual sun square Saturn moment because it happens twice a year. Yet this year, this square is a bit more potent than usual for not only is Saturn in his own sign, this connection is also working with the upcoming Saturn-Pluto conjunction that will take place on January 12th. Of course, Sol and I will be talking about that later in the episode. Now, chances are we become aware of obstacles and barriers at this time or run up against some authority figures in our lives, which can lead to feelings of heaviness as we examine the limitations we are up against. We also have to keep in mind that the sun will meet Pluto at the end of the week. So if walls come up and pathways drop off, we are being prepped for a transformative redirection so we can build stronger foundations moving forward. This may be one of those times where it just is what it is. And rather than get mad or bang our head about it, we have to walk around the obstacle and get creative. You may have already felt this from Friday on while the moon was in Capricorn and we had our first quarter square. Yet there are solutions coming, and especially when we detach and let go of what no longer is, you know, a priority in our lives. And there may be the issue of justice at play, where it just doesn't seem fair or right, yet cause and effect will always balance themselves out. So take heart in that, you know, while moving forward, uh, you know, you you just kind of have to do your best to not let fear or depression invade uh, the current circumstances. Because ultimately, we are buckling up our bootstraps and ready to commit to what is next. And outside interference that is out of our control may be part of this equation. So the bottom line for Monday is, is that there is a crunchy start to Monday with Luna's square to disruptive Uranus and fast-paced Mercury, and it's really highlighting Sunday's opposition between the two planets, which I spoke of uh, last week's podcast. Yet there can also be, you know, brainstorming and creative problem-solving or potential... uh, of potential obstacles or systems that need addressing, you know, because we're in the Aquarius moons. And so it can help us detach a bit to get a larger bird's eye view perception. And, you know, we may be challenged with our ability to think outside of the box at this time because we have a fixed T-square here underway and we are up against challenges that need more permanent solutions. Now, on Tuesday, the moon is still in Aquarius. Uh, We'll make an early trine to to the sun while we sleep here in North America, and then a sextile to Jupiter during the day. Now, also of note, we have Venus moving into Scorpio, and we have Mars making opposition to Chiron. So let us talk about Venus ingressing into Scorpio first, which will happen at 10.06 a.m. here on the Pacific coast. Uh, So in the morning, we'll feel that shift. 
And so, you know, the goddess of love, she's officially leaving her domicile of Libra and entering into her detriment position in Scorpio. Now, last year, you may recall that we had a retrograde in this area when all the Kavanaugh and the Ford trials were going on and the ladies were out for justice, uh, rightfully so, of course. So if you want to kind of tap back into the energy of last year and what we felt there, uh, that was it. Now, Venus enters this deep, fixed waters of the Scorpion once again, and our relationships, our creative projects, and our value systems are going to be plunged into the depths as we take this time to flush out and reconfigure our emotional energy in these areas of life. And, you know, big changes are underway in all areas, on the personal and the collective. So this is an excellent transit to get to the bottom of our desire energy and release any skeletons that may be hiding in the closet. So look for opportunities to rebirth and heal your attraction so you can empower yourself to open up to the truth about what it is you want most in life, which sometimes calls for us to be vulnerable and willing to shift. Venus will be in Scorpio until November 1st. Now, Mars opposite Chiron. Mars, that's our focus drive, our action, you know, where we're motivated, uh, where we might uh, find aggression and maybe anger or some accidents may arrive. Um, And let me just say this is going to be a very Mars-driven week, not only for this Chiron opposition, but because we have a full moon in Aries. So, uh, you know, oppositions, this is when we have to make decisions or we're confronted with outside influence or there's a tug of war of some sort. And that is with Chiron. And Chiron is usually something that brings up maybe some old wounds or some painful triggers. Uh, But they also, you know, this energy also helps us to uh, heal in our lives if we're able to gain the wisdom from maybe, you know, more painful experiences or difficult choices we have to make in life. Uh, Now, Mars is officially the last planet to go through the opposition with Chiron because, you know, uh, all the other planets, you know, Sun, Mercury, uh, Venus, they've already done this dance here. Um, But, you know, we got to keep in mind that Mars is the ruler of Aries, where Chiron is right now. And so the wounded healer is essentially working on the side of the warrior. Now, Mars serves as the surgeon's knife, and while acting from Libra's land of balance and peace, we could have an opportunity to cut out and release some of what fires up our aggression so we can act from a more diplomatic and compromising position. Yet regardless, I think there may be triggers that raise our blood pressure around this transit. So be aware, if you feel a bit on edge, there may be chironic wounds at play that are leading you to wisdom through irritation. Oh, and, you know, the upcoming full moon in Aries is likely to add considerable heat to that fire. So put this in your pocket and count to 10 if necessary, because justice will be married with assertion. Uh, So we want to make sure we are fighting for a worthwhile cause. So the bottom line for Tuesday is is that we may find some resolutions in our sleep as the moon in Aquarius forms an air trine with the sun in Libra. So we are likely to wake up into some uplifting and, and probably heady energy. Now, this is a day of future considerations as Luna forms a sextile to Jupiter, giving us an emotional precursor for the sun's upcoming sextile to the great benefic. And if we don't have the level of freedom we need, we may desire to feel less restricted. The moon will go void, of course, after that, and we are likely to be in the flow and fixated on whatever ideas had arisen in the last few days. So stay tuned in on your future trajectory. 
Now, on Wednesday, the moon is in Pisces, and she will make a trine to Venus and a sextile to Uranus. And so the bottom line for Wednesday is that the upcoming Venus-Uranus opposition is lit up in a supportive way emotionally, particularly if some energy is in need of release or a clear-out. Spirit is speaking through our desire energy, and we are likely in the mood to connect with other people on a feeling level today. And where the last few days were experienced at a distance, we are now more sensitive and attuned to the subtle energies at play. Creative energy will be high, so connect with your your imagination and see what comes up from behind the veil. Because this is Pisces, and it can be mysterious. Now, on Thursday, the moon is still in Pisces. We'll make a very early morning trine to Mercury, and then we'll go on to sextile Saturn, and then a conjunction to Neptune. And so the bottom line here is that we are still swimming through the Piscean waters. And while energy may be slower, we are still being asked to perform with that sextile to Saturn. So take care of business where you can, but take wellness breaks if you feel overwhelmed at times. Energy will dip and become quite dreamy later in the day as the moon conjuncts Neptune, and we are likely, you know, going to want to have the desire to escape from it all. And a night of good music, uh, a good movie, or a few drinks with friends may prove to be relaxing. Now, in fact, I will actually be doing an October residency uh, on Thursdays for three weeks at, uh, at a speakeasy here called Raised by Wolves. So if you are local and want to come out to this gorgeous establishment, it is truly beautiful. The build-out is amazing. I will be there from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Uh, in conjunction with, um, with a, a premium liquor brand. And so how Moon in Pisces is that. Now, on Friday, the moon is still in Pisces, uh, but we'll move to Aries. And that won't happen until later in the evening. So there is definitely some some time before we hit Aries. So Friday is more Pisces. Um, And she will square Jupiter and sextile Pluto uh, earlier while we sleep. So so the bottom line for Friday is, is that there is an overall void of course feel where we are plodding along in the Piscean energy of the day. And we may have woken up from significant dreams that were helping to push us along. So go with the flow today and don't ask too much of yourself. Although with the moon in her hot and dry phase, because she is getting close to full, there may be an overall push of energy that feels like a bit much. So have compassion for yourself and others and go at a pace that feels doable, for there is a lot of action ahead. Now, on Saturday, uh, the moon is now in Aries, officially, and she will make an opposition to Mars. And uh, we also have Venus making opposition to Uranus that day. So let us talk about that. Now, Venus, she's our relationship planet. She is our magnet that attracts and draws things in and helps balance and harmonize uh, areas of our life. Um, And of course, this is an opposition. So we are looking at decisions and being confronted with something. Uh, And, you know, (laughs) Venus in general is looking outside of herself in relationships. So this is very much a relationship transit. And so what is Venus or who is Venus talking to? Well, that's Uranus. And Uranus is trying to shake things up. It's, It's disruptive energy that is trying to awaken us to something and liberate and free up what is in need of, you know, what might be weighing us down. 
So here Venus steps in to follow Mercury's footsteps, being the second planet to make an opposition with Uranus and Taurus after shortly ingressing into Scorpio. Now expect the unexpected in the areas of relationships and overall attraction energy, for there is a strong magnetic pull at this time that is calling in situations of disruption, yet it is all cased in a shell of awakening and freeing up stuck energy that needs transition and healing. And so this whole week is bound to be challenging in the relating department, and people may be going places you've never seen them go before. Because Scorpio has a bite to it, and Venus here is likely to put a sting on her normal niceties. So be aware in your interactions with others. You know, say what needs saying, yet do so in a way that has the end goal of harmony. For emotional passion may override rational thinking, and there will be plenty of opportunities to take things too far. And Uranus holds catalytic energy to it, so whatever comes up at this time is likely to lead to permanent changes in the end. So be conscious of your desired outcome. Now, the bottom line for Saturday is is there is a fiery component to relational energy today, so be aware. This weekend in general is quite potent, plus the Mars-Chiron opposition is getting re-triggered by the moon on this day. And this day can feel irritating and motivating and more than likely a combination of the two. And the you versus me energy will be out to play, so stay aware in your relations as there is plenty of energy that can get heated in the now, while also being quite quarrelsome with words and ideas. And if things get snippy or heated, know that these flare-ups will soon pass. So pick the low-hanging fruit today, as impatience is more than likely. Now, Sunday. Sunday is our big day here. We have our full moon in Aries. Uh, And along the way, she will square Saturn, make a trine to Jupiter, the opposition to the sun, which is our full moon, and then that square to Pluto. So we have the full moon in Aries. We have the sun sextiling Jupiter and making a square to Pluto, and we also have Mercury making a sextile to Saturn. So let us start with this full moon here, which will be happening at 20 degrees and 14 minutes of Aries. And that will happen at 2.08 p.m. here on the uh, Pacific coast. And so the energy of this full moon is reminding us about our personal needs and when and when not to sacrifice those for others. Compromise will be key, yet the self is lit up and super important at this time, so finding the balance may be challenging. There's a lot of opportunity to whatever we encounter, though, because we are apexed into our own ability to take the lead in our lives, and we may be tempted to take risks at this time. There's likely to be some volatility in the air, as Aries is quick to anger and can be rather blunt and impulsive, yet the energy is quick to shift and move you know, move on at the same time. Yet Venus and Mercury and Scorpio may bite down on a challenge or a transgression. So be aware to, uh, you know, pick your battles this weekend. Uh, Now, of course, I always write a more lengthy article on the full moon, which will be up at energeticprinciples.com. And if you'd like to sign up for my mailing list, you can do so. And those can be sent right to your inbox. Now let's move on to the sun sextile Jupiter in the square to Pluto, because we already know that the sun, it's our life force. It turns the page. It makes us aware. And sextiles open doors, you know? It's an opportunity to move things along. And so Jupiter, Jupiter's just trying to expand our world and, you know, get some movement going here. 
And, you know, that's all well and good, but the sun is also squaring Pluto. And so we know squares bring friction and challenge and events to, you know, to the surface. And Pluto, Pluto is, you know, deep instinctual material and it asks, uh, you know, great change of us and it's trying to transform and purify energy. So now here is more, you know, kind of meat for our lunation story as the sun makes a sextile to Jupiter and a square to Pluto within 24 hours time. And so a serious page is turned at this full moon as we become aware of where the story is moving forward while also taking the opportunity to move on and say yes to the next chapter that lies ahead. And this may be the saving grace to a simultaneous, you know, Sun-Pluto square because we will be confronted with changing situations that are out of our control and are likely centered in real-life considerations like finances, career, or how we, you know, do any sort of business in the world. And I'm counting on the pioneering spirit of Aries to lift us up from our bootstraps and fire us up towards new beginnings because the old way of life is leaving the building and it's time to confront what energy is in need of transmutation so we can open to the opportunities that lie ahead. Now, with Mercury also making a sextile to Saturn, you know, because Mercury, that's our our mind, our perception, the news that comes in, how we're communicating, you know. And once again, this is a sextile, so there is an opportunity and a flow here. Uh, And Mercury's flowing with Saturn, which we've already determined is about structure and commitment and foundation in the long term. Um, And so, you know, now that Mercury will also flow with Saturn, uh, this also speaks to the permanence of our words and communication at this time. So, you know, be aware that conversation can be on the serious side of things. Yet, I think this may be a beneficial connection that helps us to remain grounded and aware of the commitments and responsibilities that are before us as we go through these initiations into new energy. And there's also a planning element at play. So, if you need to get down to the bottom of your structure or foundation moving forward, this influence will be of help, I think. So, you know, the bottom line for Sunday is is that we continue along in this fiery, change-inducing energy as a cardinal T-square forms in the skies. And there is a lot of initiatory movement and pivots taking place as impulses lead the way. Now, the trine to Jupiter confirms that passionate instincts are rising up, and we will be more than uh, motivated by our own belief systems, which may be some of the reason we could possibly encounter conflict. Now, our spirit's awareness gets an overview of what needs to shift for greater balance, and we may have to take the lead and instigate that change in our lives. Because we are at the midpoint of eclipse seasons, and this lunation is likely turning the page to new beginnings that lie ahead. So now to wrap it all up here, because, (laughs) you know, what a week we have before us. There is no turning back from this point, for the universe is challenging us with significant life changes that seek the creation of new foundations in our lives. January's upcoming Saturn-Pluto conjunction is giving us a head start on the great shifts to come. So put on your A-game and be willing to take control of your life where you can while also relinquishing what is out of your hands and has run its course. Now let's take a look at the cards because they always add a little something something here. And so this week I drew the Queen of Pentacles as the focus and the Three of Swords as the grounding. 
Now, with the Queen of Pentacles as the focus, we will be called upon to nurture energy that is compassionate and down to earth so we can, you know, find stability in whatever it is we encounter this week. This queen is generous, kind-hearted, and very resourceful in her ability to create security in her life and in her relations. Facilitating comfort is a main goal of hers, and it may be of use to embody her energy this week to help bring outer world situations into greater balance. Now, with the Three of Swords as the grounding, chances are this is an, there is an edge to this week that may bring up matters of heartbreak or where we receive news that could be painful or involving loss. Now, sometimes this card comes up when we are still stirring over grief or rejection or some sort of separation, and our mental attitude is keeping us from putting the past behind us so that we can move on. So if you find yourself in a situation that brings pain or discomfort, step into the shoes of the Queen of Pentacles and make sure you are given the care that you need. Now, this will help us move on from old lessons and nurture what it is that, you know, is here in the reality before us. And if the event you have to, you know, and in the event that you have to deliver some unfortunate news yourself, because sometimes that is the case, be sure you share your message in a kind and considerate way. Now, last but certainly not least, this show is brought to you by this week's Animal Ambassador, the Hyena. Our cackling little friend is here to tell us to dare to be different this week, as your uniqueness could be celebrated and rejoiced in. Being yourself is no easy feat at times, and it may require the self-discipline needed in order to master yourself and be who you truly are. As Venus opposes Uranus, uh, you know, on that Aries-Libra full moon axis, interactions will be everything, and it is key to accept the you of now and be willing to convey those changes to your friends, family, and or community. So step proudly into your skin, for if you dare to be who you are at the core, you will gain admiration and respect in the process. That sounds very Aries full moon to me. Now, all right, let me talk about some announcements here. So, because uh, I always wrap it up with my little Patreon sp- spiel, but I got a little bit more to say this time. <laughs> um, I do want to give a shout out to the San Diego Astrological Society that if you are here in San Diego, we have a meeting this week on Friday and then a workshop on Saturday, Friday uh, the 11th and Saturday the 12th. We have Christopher Renstrom who will be joining us and doing a lecture on Friday on a pop astrology, which is a history of astrology in the 20th century. And then we'll have a workshop the following day on Saturday the 12th on Saturn and taking a newer look at an old devil. So what a perfect week to talk about Saturn, (laughs) I would say. Um, Now, I also want to inform you that, uh, you know, I am taking a week off. Like I said, I will return on October 21st. But in the meantime, I will have my Astro Storytime episode, a new episode, launching on my Patreon on Thursday, October 17th. And so this will be a special Halloween episode where I'm going to recap the headlines from the Pluto station because, boy, was the news active. I'm also going to take a look at the charts for uh, the Dallas cop shooting and the verdict uh, that went down on, on that which those timings are pretty fascinating. And then I'm going to dive into a feature on Mr. Halloween himself, Tim Burton. So I hope that you'll be enticed to come on over to Patreon to sign up for my Astro Storytime, which is $6 per month. To do so, you can find that on Patreon at 
patreon.com backslash energetic principles. Now, I do want to inform you that I do have upcoming course offerings for a beginner's course in astrology, which I am putting together right now. And I am taking people's names to put on a priority notification list. So if you would like to be on that list, because my first class is going to uh, include a limit of 20 people, please reach out to me either through Instagram or Facebook, or you can email me directly at mel at energeticprinciples.com, and I can put you on that priority notification list. All right, my friends. Well, let us waste no time, and uh, let's meet our guest. All right. I am so happy to welcome this week's special guest. We have Sol Jonasson with us. Hi, Sol. Thank you for joining me. Well, hello, Melissa, and thank you for having me. I'm very excited to have her here today because uh, we're going to be talking about uh, the topic of prepping for Saturn-Pluto, which has been a a big thing on my personal uh, astro agenda for a while now. We've been talking about it a lot. And I just love Soul's words. She shares fantastic information. So rather than me babble on about her, Soul, will you tell uh, the listeners a little bit about yourself? (laughs) Yeah, um, and thank you for that. I, I'm happy my babbling um, <laughs> lands in, in generous and tolerant hearts, and um, I sometimes think that I babble too much, but I can definitely excuse myself because I have a moon in Gemini, and I don't know, it's just one of those things, you know, I can use that as an excuse for babbling so much and <laughs> not always thinking. <laughs> But yeah, I started astrology way back when, you know, my father was um, dabbling with astrology when I was a little kid. I was just three years old the first time I met some proper astrologers. And um, when I was 15, I, I pulled out, you know, the selection of charts that he had handwritten and hand-drawn um, out of the cupboard. And I asked him if he wanted to please explain this to me because I wanted to learn. I was in this middle of post-Saturn, Saturn opposition. And uh, for me, um, going through those teen teenage years, it was pretty rough. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and astrology helped me a lot to understand who I was. And I remember that moment when I remember reading about Mars in Taurus, which is my, my, my Mars placement. And I'm like, yeah, hmm, going like having these moments of self-discovery. Yeah. And um, when I was 26, I'd been studying, I'd been doing my Reiki training, I'd been... Uh, Uh, traveling a little bit. And then I came to this city, which is on the west coast of Norway. And I just happened to walk right into one of these alternative centers uh, where they did all kinds of alternative therapies. And the woman who greeted me, she just looked me in the eyes and said, you are going to work here. And I'm like, (laughs) okay. And you know that out of, you know, she was pretty clairvoyant. And I, I love her, you know, you know, I'm, I love her so much just because she saw me. Yeah. And uh, a couple of hours later, I called the bank. I got my first little loan and I had, a, I had my equipment going and I had an office. And I was like, boom, there she was, you know, wow. and that's 20 years ago right now. And since then, I, I, I took my um, training with Maurice Fernandez with evolutionary astrology because I got pretty intensely focused on the nodal axis. Mm-hmm. And I knew, I just felt it, you know, there's something in evolutionary astrology about this nodal axis that I need to explore. And I just, uh, the further into it, 
the, the more interesting it became to me because I also work with healing. And for me to have that approach to astrology as a healing tool, um, to understand your karmic path and to access your potential, your dharma, if you like, mm. um, has been extremely important for me. And um, in 2009, I did my first lecture in Israel, thanks to Maurice. And it's, I've had the great fortune of coming around to different venues, India, Israel, Greece, many times in the United States to give lectures. And it's been very interesting, to be quite honest. And now I feel like now we have this, uh, I'm in this new paradigm astrology community where I'm one of the teachers. And we, you know, like I, now I'm reflecting back on the last decade of astrology and what happened to astrology the last decade, you know, I remember back in the days when we used to discuss, I wonder what happens when, you know, it hits mainstream and, you know, will everybody learn a little bit of astrology? <laughs> and my daughter, you know, she comes in and she's like, oh, the cat is born in Aries. And, you know, like she already has this knowledge and trust me, I never influence them. You know, I can't talk to them anyway. They just think everything I say is boring. So they just figure that one out on their own, yeah. you know? because of the internet and, and, um, you know, there's pros and cons with everything, but, you know, lately I've been increasingly concerned about the training of astrologers and, and the ethical aspects of, of being a counselor and, um, and some, yes. And, and, you know, depth in, in education of astrology. Mm -hmm. So this is where a lot of my work is right now. It's actually teaching and, um, yeah. yeah, and trying to figure out how I can, you know, um, find a way for people to use astrology in a healthy way, uh, because I, I, there's definitely a potential for abuse in this yes. particular field. And any occult knowledge, is, if you abuse it, it, it sort of turns on you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like I've had so many deep experiences with, you know, that happening to me, you know, like... Uh, reading about some nasty transits that I was going into and then having like scaring myself like ooh, ah, ooh. <laughs> yeah. I'm really trying to find a healthy way to live with astrology and not you know overuse it so much yeah and also when it comes to you know communicating my own stuff to find a bridge between non-astrology people and astrology people because I don't want to just talk to those who are already initiated and already feel like, uh, yeah, like we talk the same language. This is a beautiful knowledge that can reach a lot of people mm -hmm. if it's done right. And it's very helpful. It's, as I say, I call it the only addiction that cures. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. It will cure you, right? It, it will, as long as you don't get lost. Because that's true. I have, I've, yeah, have so encountered that. You know, you can get lost in it. You can get overwhelmed with the spiritual, like, input, you know, impact that happens. But I totally agree. I mean, that's what this podcast is aimed at, actually, is for, you know, hopefully it's accessible for people that if you walked in and never heard of a planet or a sign or anything, you're going to be able to, you know, jump on board and at least get something from it. Because I know it's very, it's, sometimes it's hard when you get into the uh, astrological world and then you're connected with people that speak the same language of, as you. And then, um, and then how that transfers to people that don't know, there could be that barrier between, you know, what you're saying could 
just be meaningless at that point <laughs> because you're speaking yeah. astrologies, you know, <laughs> to others. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah I, I really like that. You know, I exposed myself to this. We had this campaign in Norway a couple of years ago about, you know, um, the whole new age environment got this uh, counter movement happening because, you know, we have a princess who's deeply into soul and healing and everything, in, you know, in our monarchy. She's currently dating a guy from Los Angeles called uh, Shaman Durek. So she's really like on the new age side. And it spun out to some um, um, resistance in the more academic, you know, environments and it's also coming a little bit from the uk actually the bbc they've been pretty hardcore in in terms of promoting science and and hard science Mm -hmm. which is you know after you're dead you know you we don't speculate right (laughs) like this elimination of soul and um and I, i learned a lot by engaging with these people i learned a lot about my limitations about you know my own knowledge about science and also my limitation because then I'd been bubbling myself in this world for such a long time. I want to meet people where they are and then we can listen to each other. Mm. And I have no idea how many great conversations I've had. And I remember I went to Serbia this year to give a lecture and I ended up walking around and I, I found this record shop and I just thought, this is a great place to have a beer. And I sat down for a beer and it took me a half a beer. And then I was talking to these super <laughs> nice people next to me, uh, all, a little bit older than me, men, academics, translators. And we got into this discussion about science and language and uh, geography. And eventually, you know, they asked me, so what do you do? And then they were already kind of like uh, sympathetic to me. And then I'm like, I could explain in language that they could relate to astrology and metaphysics. And it you know, it became such a friendly um, exchange because I learned something and they learned something instead of this, um, instead of these pointing fingers and propaganda and I know the truth and I have the truth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of, when we first get into astrology, we get super enthusiastic about it. And, and then we have a tendency, oddly enough, to, to, um, alienate people yeah. <laughs> it's like i think you're a little bit too enthusiastic woman you know i chill down your new age lingo and i really want to live in a world where we can have that kind of inquiry into each other's perspectives so yeah. that's you know i really felt you know the last couple of years i've learned a lot that i wouldn't necessarily find in the world of astrology and it enriched my life and that's the beauty of astrology. You can apply it to any science, you know. Um, like now I've been dabbling a lot with history lately. I think it's mm. the sign of the times, right? This Saturn on the south node in Capricorn and Pluto in Capricorn. I feel it's bringing up a lot of these uh, collective memories of war in many ways. And, mm. you know, like, so I've been pulled into this deep study about the world wars. And, uh. um, and yesterday too, actually, Purely coincidental, I got this link to a podcast and it was about the First World War. And I got super excited. I'm like, you have no idea what I'm doing tomorrow. I'm talking about Saturn, Pluto. And I started like First World War. And <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yep. 
Yeah. Go through that a little bit today. Yeah. There's a fascinating history that's a. uh, yes, there's a there's a couple history lessons I think that's going to come out of this podcast. <laughs> or, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not an expert. I dabble, you know, like I, every time I go through, especially modern history, like newer history from, yeah, from 1982 up until yeah. now, it's like, oh my God, it's super overwhelming and it's a complex system we live in. With alliances and, you know, all kinds of shifts and so many countries. If you just look over, like, let's say you do a listing of wars in the 19th century, you're like, oh my goodness, that's a lot of wars, you know? It's like crazy out there. We're always at, we're always after each other. There's always <laughs> <laughs> we can't it's like the age old pastime of of the human, you know, homo sapiens. We like yes. to compete and, and kill and, and protect and guard and, and have agendas and, you know, you don't cross this. And it's very, it's, well, it seems like Saturn, you know, and, and Mars, it's very separative in its agenda, you know. Well, <laughs> if you think about the cardinal signs, if we just look archetypally on it, mm-hmm. uh, you can see that Aries is the first sign, right? So it's the me impulse, I. It's the instinctual spark. And if you look at certain elements in biology, for instance, you will see that any separate cell that gets exposed to danger will start protecting itself because it's afraid it will die. So we are so self-protective. The instinctual nature ruled by Mars is very, very reactive and very, very protective. It's the immune system of the organism, if you like. Mm -hmm. You know, the immune system is connected to blood and blood is connected to Mars. And this is where all the little soldiers in our blood is like, oh, we have a, we have a, 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 you know, an alien body in here. We have to fight it. Like, so the blood goes and fights it. And this is just how the body works. But it's the first of the cardinal uh, cross. Mm -hmm. And then comes cancer and then comes Libra and then comes you know, the full cardinal Capricorn. (laughs) So this is, I think, a point in time where humanity is tested on that me, me, me fighting energy. You know, this kind of like, this reactiveness that constantly is putting us and others in danger danger and in situation. We would love to be, we would have changed or done differently if we just gave ourselves just a little bit more time to think about it. Mm. It's what they thought after World War One as well. What if we just had a little bit of more time <laughs> if, between, you know, the assassination of this archduke yeah. and and then, you know, like it wasn't long before the whole continent was burning with a war that lasted for four years and it was like, so incredibly destructive. It's like, I mean, yeah. In some of the footage, you're just like, oh my God, all these young people dying. You know, you get really, really, you, you start to understand what kind of darkness, you know, has been on planet Earth. And, you know, the, you know they, they got their weapons then, you know, and, you know, like they never seen warfare like World War One. One, yeah, it was a whole new ball game. And well, yeah, I mean, something I had to cat. Like that's the thing is like we get pockets of energy that happen. I think within you know our timeline that create. We're always going to be at each other's throat. 
that seems to be the case right now <laughs> to some varying degree. But then there's those pockets of time where it seems like there's just this catalyst that is just waiting to you know blow things up on many... I feel like we're in that right now in many ways because we're seeing patterns of leadership yeah. happen around the world. And you know it's all leading to some sort of... Um, you know, kind of combustible energy, I think, that is trying to get something done. <laughs> um, and so it leads to these events. And the Archduke Ferdinand is a great example of that, that was leading us somewhere. And the reactive nature of humanity, you know, to fight back right away or to have a side or, yeah, you know, it's very Mars, just jump in and, you know, don't think about it. It's instinct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and you know we are survival of the fittest. We are survival yeah. for ourselves. The you know you see this everywhere. It's like you know neighbors fighting neighbors, woman fighting man. This is the first split: woman fighting man, neighbors fighting neighbors, um, families fighting families, and then neighborhood fighting neighborhoods, and then cities fighting cities, and then countries fighting countries in little ways. Like we tease the Swedes. Sweden is the Norway, Norway neighboring country. Mm -hmm. So we have jokes about the Swedes and the Swedes have jokes about us. You know, it's that kind of thing. And then it's continent versus continent and yeah. then superpower versus superpower. I often dabble, since I'm Aquarius, I often dabble with the, the idea that what if there was an alien invasion? Would we then stand together as one people, huh? I bet. Well, because then the enemy is outside of us at that point, like, really outside of us at that point. No, it's a little bit like they say about the Roman Empire. The Romans, you know, the archetype for the Romans were, was Mars. That's mm -hmm. how I see it. It's like this soldier fighting. I mean, they wouldn't even admit defeat even when they were defeated. That's how it is. It's like, no, we won. It's just, you know, it's, it's a matter of perspective, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, yeah. And well, when they had a peaceful time, the mm -hmm. Romans had nobody to fight. They fought each other. Yeah. Well, that's what, when we were talking about the animals, it, it dawned on maybe the reason that we fight the way we do is because when you're on top of the food chain, you know, for the most part, any type of predator is going to have an impulse to, uh, you know, attack something for whatever reason. You know, lions go out to do it because they have to eat. But we have a different, you know, especially the more, you know, quote unquote evolved we get as a society, we don't have that same... Um, you know, a opponent or the, the thing to kind of go after. And so it, it seems like because of survival of the fittest and we're ranking at the top of the food chain, then we just go at each other at that point because the, the drive is still there. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, there's hierarchies within, you know, within humanity as well. We see it's not, it's not, a, it's not a fair game. Uh, there's a lot of yeah. abusive stuff happening in our systems. And there's this... Um, some people aren't, uh, you know, afraid to employ other people as their uh, tools. And, you know, you get this abusive thing. And it's really at the core of, of a lot of this Pluto in Capricorn energy that we have right now, which is bringing, it's kind of bridging different time dimensions together. We are being fairly reminded of the, um, um, of the United States charts, for instance, yes. the 1776. And, you know, there's this, um, the whole era there, you know, um, and, and after, you know, uh, the war and then the French Revolution. And like, there was like this ongoing 
um, liberation of basic human rights happening at that point, uh, also established in the Constitution, you know, like these rights that are uh, on the paper at least extremely inspiring, you know, yes, 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 you know, the individual matters, you know, so the whole, you know, um, independence from Britain was that, you know, the individual matters. We are here. This is the new promised land. You know, we can have the religion we want. We are given equal opportunities, etc., and so forth. Now, there's a difference between reality and dreaming. Yeah. Now, the dream was good, but the reality today is, is you know, it's not entirely... Um, it's not entirely synced with the dream. Although yeah. lots of good things have happened on earth, like, you know, now we have, it's been developing further and further from 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 that time up until now, you know, the, the, the different revolutions and then the four freedoms, etc. There's always this development development of basic human rights and feminism is part of it, you know, equal rights for women. Mm. It's just human rights. That's why I would love it to call the whole feminist movement, actually just call it human rights movement. Movement, yeah. <laughs> it's just being human, huh? It's just, and, and then we can stop this gender war that is driving people crazy these days. You can't talk about it before you have like such a flare in it. It's like, whoa, what did I say? You know, it was just a joke. You know? yeah. <laughs> but there's been a development all the time, but we also see that the system of slavery has been kept on earth. Yeah. And today we have corporate slavery. And of course, we, you know, uh, if it was the kind of work where you really felt like this is co-creation, I'm part of this thing, I feel valued, I feel appreciated, I feel that people love me, that they want me in this place, and I feel inspired to go to work, like a Burning Man principle mm-hmm. thing, you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. That's what people, that's what makes us feel love. Yeah. And it's because, you know, our effort is appreciated with respect. But the way the corporate world works today, nobody cares. You know, you're just a number. You know, I remember this big Equinor, this big company in oil that just suddenly had a crisis. And, you know, I had, I was flooded with people coming from that place because they were going through like the biggest crisis in their lives. They've been offering 25 years of their life to this company. And because of some, I scratch your back, you scratch my back club, they were dropped out of their work and their whole families were in danger. It's like, nobody cared. Nobody cared. So lives are ruined because of this uh, slavery energy type kind of, of thing, system. right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that you talk about, like, especially America, you know, being built on the dream. And essentially, dreams are ideals. And that's the thing is, over time, they change. Like, how many times have you dreamt something or you had a picture in your mind and you thought it was going to be wonderful? And then yeah. it plays out and then you realize that, oh, wait, well, this isn't so great about that. Or wait, this uh, this brought a loophole over here. Or wait, you know, and, and uh, things have to be changed. You can't just go with one dream and one ideal forever with, with anything, because otherwise it's going to not only narrow down and pocket into whatever that original intention is, it leaves no you know room to change and adapt and grow and realize when we have these problems that we do, because everybody defends capitalism, <laughs> you know, like, especially here in America, you, you know, it's American dream or, you know, 
I'm like, I'm, my American dream is to have healthcare. <laughs> my American dream is maybe to be able to buy a house, uh, you know, and it's these simple things like that. And those that, you know, has to be changed. And of course we still fight for the gun control, you know, that's the original mm-hmm. amendment yeah. for the individual right of, you know, the constitution, everybody mm-hmm. can have their gun. Um, but and that's actually interesting, Souls. I've done some background research and I really need to get an article going on this. But there was significant movement um, in, in the gun control world since Saturn-Pluto conjunction in Libra um, back in the early 80s. Yeah, the squares kept, kept bringing up, I noticed, like the hard aspects kept bringing up um, issues with, you know, either, you know, a, a mass shooting or some legislation that needs to be, you know, and so that seemed to be a primary issue, at least here in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. Probably one of those things that are peaking now, what we're seeing now in this very balsamic phase between Saturn and Pluto, which is happening now, you know, like I get a sense or I feel like there's this world fatigue going on. Everybody's just so super tired of all the complexities and all the problems. And it feels like we just don't, we just it feels like we just want to crawl under our duvets and stay there until the new conjunction happens in, in, you know, in January. But it's like this, this kind of like, that's the the fatigue of any balsamic face. And Mm -hmm. so we're ending this 1982 cycle. And I think it's really interesting because what we see is the deterioration of everything in a way. It's like, oh my God, now it's really evident that the United States needs to do something mm-hmm. about these gun leg 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 You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Difficult word for a Norwegian. Doing <laughs> <laughs> something about the laws that controls the gun industry, right? Yeah. Because there's been like so many mass shootings just this year. And I think, you know, like it's, it, for me, it's just, wow, how much, how much do you need before you take control over this? How well, far do you need to go? I mean, any of us. And it's like, we just have to ask ourselves the same question in our own private lives. We don't change until it's broken. When it's broken, we try to fix it. But then very often it's like, oh, I wish I reacted a little bit sooner. Because now something is completely broken and maybe on the verge of not being able to mend it again. So we push ourselves. It's like a habit we have, humans. And I can, you know, I understand it. It's not that I'm judging it, but it's like, I remember Richard Thomas gave this beautiful speech in in Hawaii in 2011. I was like, I was... I was like, whoa, this guy is talking about 2020. That's a little early. You know, like, <laughs> 2020. And he was saying that, you know, he thought that these years would bring humanity down on their knees. And he was kind of worried that it had to go super far before we changed. Yeah. And we saw, you know, these Amazon fires that came mm-hmm. just now for the new cycle of Saturn-Pluto and Saturn-Pluto having to do with these big structures of uh, power. Yeah. Yeah. This, who, who's our leaders? It's often a leadership challenge with Saturn-Pluto. Like we saw that in First World War. It was like lousy leadership that led to the, to the, you know, to the chaos that was that war. You know, like these old families of monarchs trying to use like a family feud, Saturn Pluto conjunct in cancer, right? Yeah. All of Queen Victoria's and Christian the ninth children were like ruling Europe, grandchildren. And they were like, 
I don't like what you did there. Poo poo. I'm going to start a war. You know, like this kind of thing, you know, like alliances. Yeah. Like- well, now it's kind of flipped though, because now we're going to have it in Capricorn. And so it's yeah. not about the families so much. It's now these powers of the corporations and yes. the, the leadership of the, you know, the political leadership. And well, because, you know, go, to go back to the guns and even the healthcare, at least for here in, in America. Um, you know, because we look at it and we're like, okay, so this is this seems to be a symptom of the problem. We have these mass shootings or people aren't getting care. Um, and so we want to up- overhaul the system, right? Very Capricorn, <laughs> very Saturn-Pluto. But, uh, you know, we have the shootings that we do because there's more guns than people. And there's more than guns than people <laughs> because both the healthcare industry and the gun industry are two of our major industries in America because yeah. we've outsourced everything. So what mm. we've done is we've kind of shot ourselves in the foot have any, um, I mean, there's still room for repair here, I think, but it's, oh, yeah, it's a bigger absolutely. systematic process that needs to happen in order to get the reform that we need. And I, I you know, I don't know if you ever watch Bill Maher or not. Um, he's a talk show host on HBO here in America, but yeah, I, he, he, yeah. he said something funny that I really, not funny, but poignant that I thought was interesting in uh, relation to Saturn and Pluto making their conjunction in January, um, January 12th at 22 degrees Capricorn. And then later we have the Saturn-Jupiter conjunction at zero degrees Aquarius later in the year. But anyways, so he did this whole uh, like last segment where he was talking about, you know, what happened to shame? No one wants to shame people anymore or, or take shame for things. And, but what he was saying is he was like, and this spoke to me very much for Capricorn to Aquarius. He said, shame leads to reform. And that like spoke in my mind, like shame leads to reform. And I think that we're in this process of, of shame mm-hmm. <laughs> of, uh, on many different levels, you know, on so many different topics, but it's all trying to lead us to, we can't, you know, unless we're shamed and we're kind of like brought down to some ex- you know, extent to realize you know, what is wrong here, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, nothing's going to change. There's not going to be any reform. And so I just found that very interesting as well. That was interesting, yeah, because, you know, like, shame is a very loaded word, and I think, yeah. you know, I've been doing a lot of work with this Pluto in Capricorn ever since it, you know, um, started its little journey through this sign in 2008, mm-hmm. and it's been, you know, it's a process. You start to learn a lot about the archetypes, um, and this year in particular, and last year as well, you know, Pluto was on its own nodal axis and now it's on Saturn's nodal axis. So, and that's, you know, in evolutionary astrology, we see that as a, as a connection to past um, eras or ages. Mm-hmm. And Saturn, no, Capricorn is like this storehouse of historical knowledge. It's like, it, it's, it's the habits and traditions that brought our structures, that created the structures that we now um, live in, right? So shame is part of that, you know, how we've been conditioned. We normally put this keyword on, on Capricorn, it's conditioning. Conditioning is not necessarily a bad thing. It depends on the type of conditioning that's happened. So therefore, you know, like uh, if we look back on, you know, when they started writing the, you know, the, yeah, I don't want to go religious here because that's also a very... <laughs> Um, um, intense uh, subject, but there's been some religious conditionings in our societies 
the last couple of thousands years that has to do with shame. Mm-hmm. Shame on you, you sinful human being, for being <laughs> for breathing. You shall not breathe. It's you know, like, and that's exactly. Sometimes I feel like, okay, I think you know that. Okay, so what is it with us humans? Why are we hiding our? Is there a way for us to be conscious and have some some uh, awareness about life without going into the? I I don't want to have children because I'm so ashamed that I'm on this planet and you know, like go deep into the fanaticism of the Puritan thought, mm-hmm. which I think, you know, it's, it's really, uh, I understand what he's saying, but I, you know, like, Hey, wake up. That's what he's saying. What are you doing? I'm doing, everybody's doing. It's not a, it's, it's, it's like this. Um, it, it's, it's not a cleanup. If everybody's not cleaning up. Everybody needs to chip in here. You know, like we do this together. And that's so interesting because um, my father said something interesting the other day because we were talking about the world wars. And he said that, yeah, you'd be surprised how happy they were during the world war too, you know, especially if they weren't directly in the zone Mm -hmm. because they had solidarity back in the days. And that's when we understand that above our egoistical instincts for survival, there is a deeper joy yeah. when we work together. This is like the, and here I go again with the, um, the, the true dream, you know, <laughs> the Aquarian dream. Yeah. You know, we're, we're moving in now. Uh, Pluto will do and finish up this last, you know, passage over the last degrees in Capricorn and really like show us everything that's not working with this society. Mm-hmm. And then, including our selfishness or egoism and, you know, our constant subjectiveness, mm-hmm. then move us into, gently move into uh, Aquarius and then open up the gate to what we can call the age of Aquarius, which is, you know, all about this co-creation thing, but then each human being must feel validated and seen. Mm. And everybody must know themselves because otherwise they won't know where they are in the big creation. Everybody can't be precedent, right? Right now we have like people who think they're fit for a job who's not really fit for it, but they're really good at getting there, you know? You know, so we don't have leaders who are noble. We just have leaders who are very good at competing. Mm. Yeah, because that's all it is, a competition. You know, this is career politicians that it's not about, (laughs) for most people, it's not about the the people, you know, it is about the money and the kickbacks and and the somewhat fame and the, you know, respect you get. And and those are all egoic, you know, human principles (laughs) that are not necessarily out for the they're good. And I think it's interesting that Chiron has, happens to be traveling through Aries right now too, when we talk Absolutely. about this, mm. because I mean, I'm always, I'm always of the camp that, you know, you, you don't fish for people, you teach them how to fish. And I think that, uh, you know, where we're going, this is all going to take the individual initiative. You know, you can call, you can whine all day about the way the climate looks and, you know, the trash that's piling up and this, but if you're still using these types of products or you're still, you, you know, like it's going to take every single person to step into their own, you know, mm. leadership power to be like, I'm going to change myself. Yeah. And if I change myself, that is going to have a ripple effect 
out into the world. And so I think we're looking a lot to the world right now uh, and putting pressure on like an individual or a group of people to make this great change. But at the end of the day, you know, it's it's going to take everyone in order to really. Yeah, yeah. You know, like this this Saturn in, in Capricorn combined with Pluto in Capricorn and the South Node in Capricorn yeah. has been a very introspective time for me where I've tried to look at my own judgments and try to look at my own know-it-all attitudes and pointing fingers attitudes and just, you know, trying to work on myself to become a more mature human being. We have a saying with Capricorn is that... Um, Growing old is mandatory. Growing up is optional. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like, I mean, it, it takes will. And in, in Capricorn, you have that, you have to give the effort. You have to want it. Mm-hmm. You have to want to overcome yourself. And the, the challenge with Chiron in Aries, which is Aries, the fear again, you know, the instinctual realm, I had um, I, I, I reposted something I quoted like three years ago uh, from a woman called Lucille Sederkrantz. She was an um, esoteric woman and she wrote some interesting books. And in one of the books, she said something like, um, uh, like um, whenever there's fear, the noble virtues disappear. Mm. You know? And the noble virtues of sharing, of uh, love of tolerance of of compassion just you know just use your wisdom you don't have to judge you don't have to be a part of the war anymore i mean it's so easy to get triggered into the war right you see this yeah. with this greta, the greta contra mm-hmm. and the whole thing going on with her and how split everything is you know how polarized everything seems to be and, you know, like it's men versus women and it's alt-right versus liberals. And I don't know what, you know, blue versus red. It's like race versus race. It's like superpower versus superpower. Power, yeah. <laughs> because now Saturn Pluto has to do with superpower as well. You know, look back to World War One, and you saw a lot of superpowers going down. The previous superpowers, which were the great nations of, um, of Europe. You know, there were so many things that changed in terms of who were the winners. And, you know, Bismarck spent like so long building up Germany and resulting in, you know, a a Kaiser who just took all those resources. Yeah. (laughs) And just threw them away. And like, and then again, the creation of Hitler after that being Mm -hmm. so embarrassed, you know, that nobody respected this Kaiser at all. And, and he wanted his revenge and it took down Germany from its, you know, its way to become this super, super, super power. And it's all, you know, and eventually also, you know, it brought the United States into the superpower arena, uh, especially after the second world war. Mm -hmm. You know, like it really established the United States as a superpower. And then now you have China sailing up, you know, like there's other people coming. It's like, oh, look at that big fat boat. It's it's coming into our harbor. Oh, we got to do some trade agreements <laughs> and, you know, make sure they won't get here. You know, he's been extremely uh, tough on the Chinese, uh, Trump, the way that I understood it. You know, like it's like, OK, everybody just we just take care of ourselves and then we can find some cooperation. This is his message. in a Yeah. Way, yeah. But. Um, he wants to make America great again. And I think, you know, this is just for me, I'm, I, again, I'm not judging because 
I'm just trying to understand the, the, the energies at play here. And we're at that same spot where there's like, imagine you have a chessboard and these superpowers are moving and they're playing this strategic game to knock each other out and to reach that dominance, etc. It is still that instinctual fear that drives it. And that's still the challenge also on a very personal level. I mean, now we have families splitting up because they can't agree on the Greta case or on the, you know, whatever case, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's this split and polarization. And I think that's where the real work lies. It's like, are we willing to listen? You know, can we be be mature enough to understand that, okay, I have my opinion about things and the way that I think things should be run. How can I create a bridge between me and those on the other side who sees things differently? Yeah. Comes from a different kind of tradition. Because eventually we can't go around saying, I will only live on this planet if it works according to my rules. (laughs) That's basically what we're saying. It's one of the things that makes Mars depressed. It's like, I can't have it my way. Right. No, I'm sorry, but you can't have it your way all the time. We have something called cooperation here. Now we got to make it, we have to, we have to cooperate. And in crisis, this is the beauty of crisis, you remember, we are forced to cooperate. Mm. And that's when good comes out of people, when they have nothing to gain. Yeah. When we have nothing to gain. So we're still really, really into this, what do I get from it? Yeah. Do you want me to like, okay, so if I give you something for free, what do I get back? You say, I scratch your back, you scratch mine. You promote my stuff. I'm going to promote yours. Okay. Yeah. 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 It's <laughs> everywhere, you see? So like for me, that's the kind of thing that I want to, you know, competition. Is it possible to live in an ecosystem without competition? Nature is competing for territory as well. Just look at the trees. Everybody's like, hey, piss off. I want the sun. And I won. I'm the greatest tree in the hood, you know? (laughs) And then there's this tiny little tree is completely, you know, eclipsed by this big tree and it dies because, you know, it's natural selection. But we are animals, just animals. We are also evolved to a new level of understanding things. We have consciousness. It's very interesting. It makes me think of, um, uh, cause actually in big grove, I read this article a while back where in big groves of trees, they actually mm-hmm. found that the underground root system, um, they were working, uh, to help each other and communicating underneath, uh, the, with these big groves. I don't know if it was with nutrients or if it would, I forget the specifics. So I'm not good on that part, but I thought that was so interesting that, you know, even trees come <laughs> together to, you know, help yeah. and work in a symbiotic type of you know, process. Um, I know what you're talking about. It's this fungus system that they use for, uh, it's their immune system. They have a communication system underneath the earth. And I think it's a fungi. Yeah. Like they, they say, okay, we have a, it's, it's like they warn each other if there's like alien things coming into their territory. Very weird. Yeah. yeah. See, they're do- they're doing their thing there. Um, <laughs> well, it's <laughs> well, and it's so interesting, especially when you're uh, well, because 
I don't know. I don't know if it was a, the universe's cruel joke to have Jupiter square Neptune before <laughs> Saturn conjuncts Pluto, because yeah. that that seems to add a lot of you know the you know the uncertainty and the back and forth and the, this is my beliefs and you know uh, the the challenge of compassion uh, with hearing other people out or knowing where the limit is uh, with mm-hmm. certain things. Because that's I feel like that's a big. It's interesting because it seems like there's a big precursor that's asking us, what, where's the limit? You know, you hear that with Trump every day. You know, where's the line? When are you going to impeach this guy? Like, how much does he have to do <laughs> in order to, you know? And I feel like Saturn-Pluto is is the limit when we get there. And I mean, to, yeah. to liken it back, I mean, because if we think, it, it's actually been a, a really long time since Saturn and Pluto made a conjunction in Capricorn. You know, we're looking back at uh, 1518. Yeah, that's which, true. Which happened to be, and to go in line with the, it's interesting to go in line with the, the religious uh, aspect yeah. and that you had brought up earlier, um, you know, because that is when, uh, right before that conjunction was made, that's when Martin Luther put up his 95 yeah. thesis and was like, okay, you know, you can't buy salvation. You can't just sin all you want, <laughs> you know, do all these shameful things and then just give the church money, which was e- equally as shameful because they were taking advantage of. So we see these power structures and the same with, uh, you know, that conjunction was basically the entrance point for Henry VIII being in power. Um, mm. And, you know, so we saw these big monarchs because uh, you know, he's one of England's most, you know, when you think of England, the king of England, most oh, people, yeah. <laughs> you think of Henry. Um, and mm. same with the end of the, it's interesting because the end of the Saturn, uh, Pluto and Capricorn cycle before it actually uh, re- um, seated in Aquarius. It did a, it did a double Saturn <laughs> measure back then, but that was when Machiavelli wrote The Prince at the very end of the Saturn, uh, you know, the cycle of Saturn-Pluto uh, in Capricorn. And we see that with absolute power and not caring about, you know, because we live in, uh, you know, cunning and scheming and being unscrupulous. And, you know, yeah, and a lot of them taking that ran. Yes, a lot There's of entitlement. Entitlement. It's like uh, I'm entitled to this and that, and at the same time, I, you know, I think human beings are so. There I go again with my Aquarian thing. It's like, oh, these humans are weird. <laughs> I think we are so. Um, we're so complex because on one hand we have we are born into this sin where we think we're not worthy of love or we think we have to earn love in one way or another and there's these deep conditions of on being human you know if you're like a valuable human being you probably earn a, a healthy salary and and, and you, you are that you know like there's this thing that the race we're trying to get something out of winning it definitely and that's the condition love thing Mm -hmm. And because once people feel real love, a lot of those things just fall away as if they never were there anyway. It's like, oh, now I know what purpose is. Now I know what meaning is. Now I rather want to spend time with cards than go build an empire. Oh, how weird. You know, and at the same time, we have also this childishness that comes in. It's like, you know, Mars rules the terrible twos. And it's like, we never get over that in a way. But I just want it when I want it. You know, like this impatience with everything. And it's so funny because these two coexist. Like, I I don't feel like I'm worthy, but I do really feel that I should have it. It's like, there's this brainwash 
element in society today that has to do with what creates a successful human being. What what does it take to be loved? And you were talking about the Jupiter-Neptune square. When I was looking into the uh, you know the sign of the times of 2019, I thought, ooh, that's bipolar. That's the first thing I thought. Like you have this mutable square between Jupiter-Neptune going, you who the drinks on me. We'll use the credit card, darling. <laughs> And I like, I just want to travel like 400 times a year and, you know, this kind of thing. Like I just, oh, isn't it beautiful? I got it on sale, only a thousand dollars. You know, this kind of like, think big, dream big, be bigger, bigger, bigger. And with no sustainability underneath. Like that's the Saturn reality. It's like waking up and just, hey, yeah, that was a great party, but I got a massive hangover in the form of these bills or in the form of my ill health or in the form of like, I just completely thought that this dream that I was chasing, this hope that I had was real. Neptune always brings in this tough conflict. What is, what is truth? And then Jupiter comes in and what is subjective truth, wanted truth, what we really would love to be true. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what that, in other words, illusions. So it's been a very disillusioning time for humanity, I think. A lot of us had to reassess a little bit how we live our lives and what goals we put into our lives and what we really, you know, the North Node is still in cancer, what we really need. What is it that we really need? And it's not about being needy or being entitled. It's just what, what makes me feel appreciated, valued, loved, safe, um, you know, and, 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 and with whom do I want to be with? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like that's the, that's the yearning for softness and it has nothing to do with these megalomania and maniac, maniac dreams. Like mm-hmm. it's like, um, we might think we find something and it might be interesting too to go and have an experience, but we might feel like, yeah, no, it wasn't that I was looking for. I'm, what am I looking for anyway? You know, it's part of the hero's journey to be a little like lost in terms of what you're looking for. Yeah. But I'm, I'm an old fashioned woman, you know, like I truly just believe in one thing and it's love. You know, I'm, I'm too old to believe in anything else, but you have to kind of like, define what does that mean, right? And that's the human rights. It's respect for one thing, respect yourself, respect others, respect your boundaries, respect your limitations, respect your health. And then that naturally just bleeds into respecting life around you, of course. Yeah. It's trust. How do you trust in this distrusting world, in this world where everybody's screwing each other over? where there's little little real communication it's like there's a lot of blah blah yeah a lot lot of hot air that seems and that's the thing like especially with jupiter and neptune you know they're uh, like you know we're talking about gas planets here uh, immutable you know (laughs) mutable signs and so you know that's that's the thing is there's so much hot air that's just circulating around and but people you know when you attach to the belief of it all like it's it's just it becomes so real because it, it fires you up you know you're embodied in it and and, and it changes and it waves you know yeah. like you see people like yeah. in positions flip and flop and 
new evidence <laughs> this way and that way and and fake news you know now facebook has a fake news filter now where you can report something that's fake know, but that's, that's subjective exactly that's that's subjective because right now you can read like the ultimate thing we had three squares of this one and you have Saturn underneath going, don't be fooled. You can't trust anybody. You know, yeah. keeping it real. You know, like be, <laughs> be practical, be critical, use your mind. This is Saturn going on with this like very reasonable kind of like be mature. Yeah. You know, don't post stuff that is unreal or like just dangerous for other people to read. Like, but then again, Jupiter Neptune is like, but what is real, huh? You know, yeah. like this kind of like. Math. And, you know, I've, I've thought a lot about the, the middle path, you know, the middle path that is like a, a concept in Buddhism lately because of this late Sun Chiron opposition in Libra Aries. I'm like, hmm, the middle path, yeah. I want to meet people halfway, you know. In, you know, I want to find that path. Rumi said, beyond the field of right and wrong, I'll meet you there. What? Mm-hmm. So maybe we just have to lay aside a lot of these things because we don't know, actually, you know, like the environment. It's so full of contradicting info. Yeah. I mean, if you get into it, I, I understand. It's hard to understand what is going on. That's exactly what, you know, like what is going on? I, like one minute I'm super convinced, which is a Jupiter Neptune thing mm-hmm. about this thing. And the other minute I'm like, nah. Not sure. Starting to think about all the other things that is not like like. <laughs> I tried starting a couple of projects during this energy. I'm like, yeah, sounds like a good idea. And then after a while, nah, I don't know if I have time for that. Maybe it's just a waste of time. You know, again, Saturn is coming in with this. Yeah, do you have time for it, or is it just one of these? Blah, 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 you know, these bubbles that you know you're just tuning into the astral levels of humanity where santa claus lives and all these dreams lives and you know if i just get this then i'll be happy kind of thinking right Mm -hmm. so you know like it strips down a lot of our illusions about life and i think you know once we're there pretty naked to the bone you know like and we're just like okay all right so yeah maybe it's just time for us since we're going into this balsamic faith, just rest a little bit, right? Mm. Just rest a little bit. Just let go of the confusion and, and accept that right now it's pretty hard to understand what is real and not real. Yeah. And trusting your intuition is one of the biggest maturing processes that starts to happen once you start trusting yourself. Once you start seeing the instinctual world for what it is without judging, without going to war with it, and just seeing, yeah, that's normal. People are, people are afraid. You know, we're just afraid. And, and then it just it eases down the participation in the war. You start fighting differently, and it's just changing. You know, that's the, that's the initiation. Now, of course, n- not everybody's going to get that right because that has a lot to do with who you are and what you've done in your life up until now. It it requires capacity to look beyond paradoxes and see that, yeah, I can be a a pretty good human being, but I can be an asshole too, you know, Uh, but I'm still love. You know, that's like this, like this weird new way of thinking. Like, it's not like, 
everybody's looking for Armageddon these days. And it's some sort of like drama that I think is not always real. Okay, there are consequences for our actions, but did we interpret this book right? Yeah. Yeah. Did we? Are we waiting for Judgment Day still? Like, we're just waiting for the other shoe to drop and like, I knew it, we were sinners all along. You know, like, we're just waiting for the disaster. And I call it the big Armageddon complex. It's like, we're just waiting for things to be ruined because that's like a, it's like we have a self-destructive capacity in our minds. Instead of... That's Saturn. That's very Saturn Pluto when you think about it, especially in Capricorn, because wow. I mean, it, Pluto's going to intensify any, everything. It's trying to purify it down to, you know, its essence in a sense. And Saturn is, it, it can definitely be that fearful component or the, you know, this weight or this heaviness or, um, and it's, and it's very real because we're talking about earth signs. So we, it's apparent, you know, we see it, yeah, we're feeling right. it, we're, you know, and so that, so it's just intensifying that fear even even more, and especially with the Jupiter-Neptune um, action, you know, so yeah. we're blowing, you know, things up and beliefs and illusions and, and a lot of hot air is going around, uh, but we're concentrating this fear um, and, and weighing down in this cycle, like you're saying, because we're, this is, it's, this is like, like, I'm hoping it's kind of, it's kind of the, the meat of it, because it all has to kind of come rise to the surface in order to, um, you know, kind of seed into what needs to be next. I don't know how that's quite going to work, but I like what you were saying with the middle of the road and meeting people and compromise. And I think that um, as far as this particular Libra season is concerned, because as we air this episode, we're going to have the sun squaring Saturn and then the oh, sun yeah. going to be That's squaring right. Pluto. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also have Mars who has moved into Libra mm-hmm. and, uh, and well, and Mercury will be in Scorpio that, uh, time too. And then Venus is headed there too. And so there is a lot of, uh, you know, Libra Scorpio energy that is working with this configuration. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Interesting. Yeah, and we're going to, I mean, like, it's just, uh, we're just, you know, learning, yeah, that will just emphasize this need to learn to listen to each other and learn to understand each other without losing yourself, of course, which is the big thing. Like, you you can't come from a wounded place in a way. You have to be there for you first, you know. This is like the first organism you were put to, to guard, if you look at it from a creational point of view like you're the first creation so just start with you but I've been thinking a lot about this you know Björk I don't know you know the artist Björk I'm sure you mm-hmm. do and woman and um Scorpio and she's she gave out an album I think last year that I really appreciated and there is a song there called Tabula Rasa it means clean slate mm-hmm. and I think that's what we're trying to do we're trying to get to that point where we can start over again and not repeat the mistakes of our forefathers and those who walked before us, our mothers and, you know, the ones who created, you know, the karma we're in right now, right? We could be continuing this karma if we want, of course, and do the same thing and just, you know, create all these enemies and make all these wars, etc. And that would be um, or, ch- or cheat or betray or lie or steal or whatever it was that's in your ancestral bloodline because this is really ancestral healing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Capricorn has to do with history and, and Pluto and, and, and Saturn on, on the nodal axis of Saturn, you know, on the planetary axis of Saturn. 
brings in all this, you know, I get this feeling that this has to do with very, very old familiar energies that we are healing inside of ourselves, transmutation and purification through uh, fire, through uh, alchemy, you know, like we just have to take these elements and, and purify them, like these energies, like the selfishness, you just purify it and then you can use it to something good. Once it comes into alignment and corrected with you know, a higher principle. So we get that nobility back into our society where we actually take care of each other because it's the right thing to do. You know, eventually you just, Capricorn is just this thing, do the right thing, huh? Just do the right thing. It's about correction. That's why Capricorn and Saturn is connected to the spine. It's like correcting the spine. And all along the spine is all these energy centers, right? So when they're out of balance, you know, we don't listen to our higher mind. We just, I, I didn't pay attention to my intuition. I don't know how many times I've been in that situation. Yeah. It's like, I knew it. <laughs> Why did you think uh, Because I had other desires going on, you know, like I, so always an opportunity for us. It's, there's always a possibility for us to have that kind of mastery over our own energies in a way. And I think that's what, I know that's what Saturn is doing. It's mastery. You know, just master your own stuff and, and, and then get to know what is the karma of your family. And, and then you can, with love, kind of avoid repeating it, hopefully, maybe. And I think for a lot of us whose work extensively with ourselves and, you know, you know, I don't know, you've been to, into astrology for a long time. You've probably found a lot of answers about your own past and why everything was the way it was yeah. and, you know, who your parents were, etc. And all that thing, you know, that's the beauty of astrology. You get a glimpse into behind the mask. Yeah. And then you, you can understand with compassion. Oh, it wasn't because that person was mean. It was just because that person had that trauma or was afraid or, you know, you know, there's things that have been passed on through generations. And then there's an actual opportunity for, for a lot of people who've been putting in a lot of work right now. The effort will be rewarded. There will be some, you know, remember, Saturn is also the one who gives out positive mm-hmm. karma. Oh, yeah. we have to remember that now that we work so hard, glorifying <laughs> you know, our egos and stuff like that and yeah. mass our life and trying to make the best out of our resources because eventually on a very personal level Pluto Saturn is about as you said leadership over yourself mastery over the resources that you have available in your life and I have available in my life what do I do with my time how do I spend my time am I a leader in my own life or am I just Jupiter Neptune squandering my energy on projects that are just like, seems like a good idea, but if I listen to my intuition, I would know yeah. where to put my energy. Yeah. And then I think, you know, we become masters in our own universe and it eliminates competition. Why? Because there's only one Melissa and there's only one me and I bring in what I bring in and you bring in what you bring in and let's feast together. And it's a new way of thinking. And uh, I might be a little utopian. I mean, <laughs> Some really disillusioned people might say, oh, come on, Sul, that's just bullshit. You know it too. You know, like nobody, we can't live like that. We have to keep the old system. Well, and that's the, but that's the beauty of Aquarius, actually, and especially originally ruled by Saturn, you know, that's the idea of reform. That's when we get to 
take hmm, what we yeah. have. <laughs> and, you know, we don't throw the baby, baby out with the bathwater. We build upon it. And actually, that's really, honestly, I think that is like the blessing of next year uh, and probably going through some interesting connections with, you know, Saturn, Pluto conjuncting in January. But having that zero degrees Aquarius Jupiter, Saturn, you know, on Altair, which is like the eagle's eye, and we can see like this bigger picture, and it's starting a whole air cycle with the Jupiter Saturn, you know, grand conjunctions. I think that 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 is kind of like this like shining little, okay, well, there's there's hope here. We, you know, there's we can reform some things. We maybe will hopefully finally start aligning with the technologies that can, um, you know, help Mm -hmm. save energy. And, you know, it's not about big oil and, and plastic. And all that. And I want to come back real quick to what you said about uh, the um, just the tradition of it all and, and being in these ancestral patterns and forgetting that, you know, we're, we're our own, you know, sentient individual beings, but we have this pattern of lineage and all those lineages are tied together. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, and that's how cycles work in astrology too. You know, we're looking at these yeah, yeah. cycles yeah. and how they play off. Now, what I found fascinating with the last time that um, Saturn and Pluto met in Capricorn back in that 1518 was almost every planet was in the same sign. They, you know, Mars was in Sagittarius. Mar- mm-hmm. uh, uh, Mercury was exactly conjunct the Saturn-Pluto um, conjunction both times in Capricorn. Venus at the same degrees of late Aquarius, Uranus at the same degrees in early Taurus, um, Jupiter both in Earth signs. You know, wow. uh, there it's it's like yeah. every there's it, and oh, even the Sun at that time, yeah. even the Sun at that time in 1518 was conjunct where our exact Saturn or Pluto uh, Saturn conjunction is happening. And so that's I feel you, that there's just really weird synchronicities. Yeah. Now that's the fun thing about history. You know, like it's this, you know, if you really want to be a history geek, study astrology while you yeah. study history and yes. you will go crazy. It's like, I have a brain meltdown, this shit, you can't make it up. It's like, whoa. It's yeah. like so fascinating. But as you say, yeah, okay. So there's a lot of resonance between 1518 and then this new conjunction in 2020. And I think, you know, when you think about the Martin Luther thing, Mm -hmm. you know, like the reforms and, you know, coming back to these pure values and you're like, this is a real path, you know, it's not just something you pay for. We have a little bit of the same happening now. And you mentioned that Bill Myers thing with the shame. Yeah. like Martin Luther over again, you know, like shame on you guys, wake up. Oh my God, what are we doing? And, and it's kind of like us waking up to a deeper conscience, you know, like guilt, for instance, which is something that drives the environmental debate very, very strangely into strange territory, because if we just took away the guilt thing, we could have had a real debate about these things. <laughs> Everybody gets so defensive when they're guilty. Mm-hmm. So we all just, but I'm, I'm not flying that much, you know, like we have all of these, about, uh, just eat meat once a week. Like we are, we are so guilty for being here. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that's sometimes I, you know, like I, I had this experience with one of my students and I, I said it, of course, in the best way because she was vegan and I was just curious. So I sort of interviewed her to ask her, did she get a lot of like defensive reactions to her veganism? Um, I mean, she, I know she wasn't 
going on a propaganda tour for veganism. I, I knew that. So I wasn't blaming her for that, like suggesting that that's what she was doing. But I just saw her, the energy around that thing. And I, it made me just want, I got so eager to just lift this into the conscious realm. And we had a good, interesting conversation about activism, actually, uh, because it, there's this, you can't frighten people into becoming better human beings. Or yes, you can, but you split people into two camps then. One who will defensively protect. Mm-hmm. No, no, I will not feel guilty. And the other words like, oh, yeah, I feel so guilty. <laughs> There's like the same thing happening with the Greta control, uh, thing right now. Mm-hmm. It's like, my mother was an environmentalist when I was a kid. She always, she's the kind of woman who picks up shit from the streets and like, oh God, look at that. No, she's, she's, she's one of those. I thought when I went to go, I wish have had my mother here. She would have cleaned up this place in three months. <laughs> it's like, because there's so much plastic in nature. And, and yeah. it's like, whoa. And uh, so I grew up with this mentality and there's a certain kind of anorexia in it. Now, one of the first anorectics was also back in the 1500s, you know, back in the days there, you mm-hmm. know, and it was a very, um, it was a very pure woman, a saintly kind of woman uh, who believed that fasting would take her closer to God. Mm. Because, you know, that's, if you fasted, you know, you get a little euphoric from it and you get a very lightheaded and then suddenly you're starting to see angels. I mean, it's just what the body does when it doesn't get like this grounded into the body kind of food. So we're still talking about some split between spirit and matter here, which is maybe the underlying thing of the whole environmentalism, actually, because we are not spiritually connected with nature. We see it as a material thing. Now, of course, Shame on you if you do that. You have to go out and hug the tree and then you have to ask yourself, can I now cut it down? You have to be able to kill the sheep if you want to eat it. That's the law. You know, it's it's coming back to nature. But it cannot be provoked through appeal to guilt. Yeah. Which is a fallacy. It is actually manipulation and a very subtle form of manipulation. And that's why it's waking up all these reactions. And that's why we don't have any real dialogue. That's why we're not talking, because we are fighting. It's still just a war. And these are things I'm mostly curious about. How do we get to a place? Now I ask this vegan woman, don't you want your parents to treat you with respect instead of rolling their eyes and going, oh, here she comes again, the vegan. Oh, I'm sorry, we're out of beetroot. You know, don't you want them? You know, wouldn't you want? like to have a, a healing of that defensiveness in your own family yes of course you know like yeah sure you know like she was like opening up to how can i change what i transmit to the world so that i get better results hmm. like i don't get rejected i'm listened to it's not about convincing other people it's just about learning that you know this is it makes it makes me feel really good because I'm not capable of of digesting the feelings that I feel because I pity the animals so much. I feel so guilty eating meat. She says, mm-hmm. "Oh, 
Guilt again. Here we go. Guilt, guilt, guilt. It's like this thing. Now, guilt can make us into better human beings, but not when it's conditioned like that. We have to have a period in, in, in everybody's life. If you want to get free from what I call like a spiritual anorexia, mm-hmm. uh, to be closer to a better version of yourself in a way, you have to do it unconditionally. And then you just have to go through a phase and it goes for everybody where we just relax a little bit and just mm-hmm. like not judge so much and just like, okay, I'll, I eat what I I'm served because it's it's a blessing to be served anything. Huh? Yeah. Just well, a, it, you know? well, one word we haven't really brought up, <laughs> which is surprising within this whole conversation and really goes with the, uh, the, the kind of the anorexia bent is the idea yeah. of control. I mean, because yeah. that's how people get in there. <laughs> you know, that's how those uh, situations even start to begin with because you're trying to control something. And a lot of times with people with eating disorders, not that we're comparing that to that, but it's because they feel, uh, you know, there's a lack of control in their lives. And this is the only thing that they can get their, you know, um, way to take control of their lives. And so we're all kind of there. And so that's when you're like, relax. That is being like, okay, maybe I don't always have control or maybe I don't always have to have control or control the way things are going. You know? yeah, I'm you know, I'm, I'm been increasingly, you know, worried about the tone of manipulation that goes on and, uh, you know, moralists and, uh, you know, uh, pointing fingers and getting one in return and not understanding why they do that because I'm right. Everybody's this is wrong, this is right. So I'm again back to the middle path. It's like, what if you're both a little right? What if both of you deserve? I'm going to listen to you for five minutes and then I'm going to listen to you for five minutes. It's the art of diplomacy. The art of diplomacy is actually to confront both parties' illusions about things. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, respect and value that they're there. You know, like there's so much misunderstood kindness in this world. There's so much fake kindness yeah. in this world. I read something interesting. You know, the first emoticons, they came on the market in 1982 with the last, isn't that cool? With Saturn-Pluto conjunction in Libra. That's when the emoticons and Commodore 64 both came to the market at the same time. I had no idea that the emoticons were that old. I'm like, it's Me like, either. and now they're ruining every conversation on Facebook. <laughs> I didn't get a heart on this one. I don't think she likes me. I, I shared this with this woman's group that I was with the other day. And she's like, Sul, you know, in the beginning when we chatted and you don't put hearts in everything, like 400 hearts in each sentence, I was afraid you didn't like me. And I'm like, oh, hey, you know, <laughs> how paranoid can you be? It's like this thing that like, I understand it because I can be like that myself, you know, like it's not, it's not just her. I just like, wow, that's so interesting. We're talking about it because I've been feeling this too. It's like, it's, it's screwing up something. Mm. Well, maybe, (laughs) well, cause you know, this is, well, this is interesting. Well, to me, but (laughs) it always is. Um, You know, when (laughs) you think about that, because what the emoticons and the emojis and all that are really, and you know, Apple's got new ones that are, you know, my phone update. I have a, a one that's like me and I can talk and be like, you know, have the hearty eyes. It looks like me, but what it really, what it really (laughs) is doing is, because we have lost this connection with one another, 
We're trying to get it through the internet and yeah. through Facebook. Yeah. And we have emoticon. That's the closest we can get because I can't see if you're smiling at me. I don't know if you have a little yeah. chuckle or you yeah. have a little glint of, you know, a, a, you know, expression in your eyes. And so we're trying to get that. But yeah. what it is, but but it's turning into exactly what you're saying, where it's like, wait, I'm a, I'm obliged to do this now, or I'm not getting across <laughs> because I have, you know, I'm not giving you a heart, you know. So yeah, I think that's, that that's exactly. part of it. Exactly. And I think you know it touches at the root of something that I think is so interesting: how we relate to each other and how we trust each other, and whether or not we're afraid that other people would judge us or not. Yeah. You know, because love is so conditional. This is historical facts, and. Uh, and I think, you know, like, yes, the emotions are you know, sweet and wonderful if we can use them right. You know, it has to come from the heart, you know, and, and I think, you know, today, this is also some of the illusions, you know, 1982, uh, the Cold War what I, was at its peak. You know, it started just after the Second World War. There was a new conjunction in 47, I think. Yeah. yeah. And then you had Israel and then you had... Uh, India and you had all these in Korea. We had that right after it. And then in 1982, there was a peak in the Cold War. There was this, um, yeah, it, it, it intensified due to some conflicts, right? Libra. Um, <laughs> well, it was a war in Afghanistan, I think. Oh and yeah, Russia but they, it con- conjuncted in Libra, so it's interesting yeah, how it's yeah <laughs> relationships and diplomacy and stuff yeah. like that. But the Interesting thing is the Cold War was very, um, it was the split between communism and corporatism, right? Like this free world and then this constrained, restricted world. And the last couple of years, due to some, um, well, um, trade agreements between, uh, the, you know, um, East Europe and, and Norway, for instance, we've had a lot of um, experiences talking to people who come from Latvia, Lithuania, Ukraine, Russia, etc., that we never had before. And it's really interesting. I got a lot of friends that now come from these countries and it gave me an insight into their version of things, you know, like I want to hear what it was, you know, how did you experience, you know, growing up there and there? And I've learned a lot. And I recently, you know, a couple of years ago, I came over this article about why the Russians are aren't smiling, you know? Why mm. aren't the Russians smiling? Because the Americans smile excessively, you know? And, <laughs> and it's such an interesting statement because the Americans, according to the Russians, smile to gain something. Mm. And there's a Moshikon thing, you know? <laughs> That's exactly where my mind went. Yeah. <laughs> well, in the, in even the Libra and the balance, it's like, oh, well, if you're going to smile all the time, well, I'm just not. <laughs> I'm going to yeah, frown, like you know? The, I don't like the energy of like this proud Russian energy. I, I don't like this. I don't like this, you know, kiss ass energy thing, yeah. you know, like this kind of thing. It's like they're looking a little bit down on it. But, you know, in many ways, this generous attitude, this Jupiterian attitude, to, you know, made. America take over the world. Hi, you know, it's really friendly too, you know, like it's not just, it's not fake. It's real too, you know, it's just that we need to learn to separate the authentic from the inauthentic. Yeah. And that's just what we know that like Capricorn is just keep it real, you know, keeping it real, keep it real and just try to be as real as possible and wise about that. Mm. If you don't like your neighbors, accept that you don't like your neighbors. Don't try to kill them, you know? It's like, just accept 
Accept that you might not like everybody in your family, but you love them. Accept that, you know, the world is not perfect, but you live here, right? Yeah. You just have to, you know, like sometimes I find due to this puritanism and the shame and the guilt, like I, I kept myself from having experiences of like, of like emotions, like, oh my God, like anger or hatred even. Like I tried to hide that from myself and pretend I was the good one. Yeah. And then when I started opening up to that, I'm like, well, now it's not frightening me anymore. It's just there and I can look at it and it's like, okay, I understand. So there was some hurts. That person hurt me. I felt hurt. But okay, the bigger picture starts to unfold as the suppression is lifted and it just clears out of the system. And that means the end of karma. Hmm. The thing that created the karma, you healed it through love and accepting who you are and yeah, not everybody's going to love Trump, but I can't keep hating those people who love him. Exactly. Exactly. right? Yeah. Well, and it's, the whole Jupiter thing is fascinating, especially within relation to the upcoming, you know, conjunction of Saturn and Pluto, because Jupiter at that point will be uh, conjunct the South Node in in Capricorn, um, and opposed, uh, you know, our, well, over here in the United States, it'll be opposed our Jupiter and Cap uh, in Cancer, um, and same with the sun and, and Venus there. So, you know, that there is, <laughs> there's a lot of truth to what you're saying in relation to, I think of what some of the things that are going to, you know, slip away and we have to you know, the, the, I think that Jupiter is going to be brought way down to earth after like the Neptune squares. Once we yeah. have this Saturn, Pluto, and then Jupiter and Cap is conjunct the South Node. Yeah, there's the, the yeah, we'll have some shifts there for sure. Um, I hope I did my atonement right because with that stack of planets coming into Capricorn, we're all in trouble. It's like this moment, boom, you know, like I'm like, oh, oh my god, I didn't do that. It was him. I know you have that cap rising, but you're, yeah. <laughs> I know my cap moon is was shaking in some boots, but you know, I feel good about it. I feel good about it now. This is all, it's all purposeful. That's the thing is like, regardless of, you know, the chaos it's brought and the, uh, in, in the fear and the confusion and in the deep seated change wow. of our systems that uh, need to take place, you know, it's trying to have us look at this bigger, you know, overall hierarchy of, you know, the planet and to like, you know, take an impersonal approach to this too. Not one that is like walled off from, you know, reality or what's needed from others, but we've put so much of the personal in emotionally, I think, Mm. um, and not so much of the personal in uh, as far as our actions are concerned (laughs) to help the problem. And so I'm hoping that, I'm hoping that the impersonal uh, nature of Capricorn can be utilized in a a positive way. Outside of ourselves to step back in, I guess. Well, I think, you know, one of the things that you know if you read a little esoteric literature there's been some comments commentaries made about the second world war that i thought was really interesting and it's um it's a critic of the spiritual people on planet earth at that time and we avoided confrontations because we thought confrontations is not something a a kind spiritual human being do you know like Mm. but it is it's like we just have to find a way to confront that is not about 
it, it, that's the whole thing with the war. The war is sometimes a, a healthy confrontation, you know, like war between two people, like fighting it out, like standing up for, for, you know, like if the truth is twisted or if you are exposed to lies and you have to fight for truth, you know, but without becoming a martyr, without becoming, you know, somebody who wants to save the world and stuff and, you know, shove truth down the throat of others. Mm-hmm. You know, there's like, you still have to stand up for things and, and voice things and be in a, you know, Gandhi was a, a big spiritual activist. He was a fighter, but he never, ever, you know, he took a vow of nonviolence, for instance. That was one of the things that, you know, um, he didn't indulge in endless debates and discussions and, and that kind that just pulls you down because it was nothing to convince people about. He just stood for the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, he just stood for the truth and became like a beacon of truth. And then everybody saw that. Whatever he's saying is true. You know, like it's evident. And he's not crawling down on their level. Mm-hmm. He's not crawling down on their level. That would ruin anybody. And like that's the that's challenge with politics. And I can see a lot of good souls going into politics and just coming completely ruined out of it. Because they had to be on that level, fighting and quarreling and endless debates. And everybody just forgot what truth was. Yeah. So, you know, like, I think, you know, truth has its own power. In a relationship, for instance, if you need to say something to somebody, you know, you check in with your wisdom. What is a smart thing to say? I need to stand in. I might be making assumptions, but then I need to know. Right? So it still mm-hmm. has to come up. And instead of being avoided, which I think is one of the ways that, quote unquote, kind people go to war. It's like, I'm leaving. <laughs> yeah. It's like Black Adder trying to get out of the First World War. It's like, <laughs> yeah. way up. Well, that's, that's very Libra when we, when we think about it, because it, you know, it does have the skill of diplomacy and compromise and you know, mm-hmm. sussing out yeah. the truth and going back and listening to both. But it can get stuck in the place where it doesn't want to confront and it's, it's, it's in particular yeah. indecisions. Um, and it's interesting to think about Cap- or Saturn being uh, exalted in um, Libra. You know, that's one of its yeah. positive yeah. signs where it can function well, you know. <laughs> We can get to that place of, you know, uh, cooperation and diplomacy and listening to both and and just living in in some sort of balance because we're clearly out of balance in so many ways um, in in the world and internally because we're all trying to figure out how is this, (laughs) where's this all going? How are we maneuvering within it? And, um, and so I feel like, I feel like just this particular time, because, you know, if there's any... If there's anything you would say, Sol, to like wrap to wrap our conversation up of like how you know what is a what is a solid tip to kind of plan ahead? Because I think Saturn likes plans. (laughs) Well, first of all, it's about um, liberation, right? Capricorn is all about liberation at its very, very peak. You know, that's when you get liberated from a lot of fears Mm. that creates you into a lesser human being, you know, a a person you're not proud of. So how can we have confrontations and how can we learn from each other? Because eventually that's what's going to happen if you listen out, somebody's having an opinion about you. You can only receive criticism if you love yourself 
Then you can ask the critic, is it right or is it wrong? And if it's wrong, you will see it. If it's right, you will also see it. But you're not judging yourself. And it, that point of not judging yourself to not be perfect is the place that makes people students. And that's what we really are. We're just students. I'm just trying to learn. I'm sure Trump is trying to learn too. He doesn't appear so, you know, because <laughs> that's the defensive mechanism yeah. of protecting something he thinks he needs to protect, you know? And I cannot learn anything if I'm not a student. If I'm a student, I say, I want to learn. I really want to learn this. And if that's the attitude you go in with into life, I want to learn. Then, you know, you take one step towards the gods, as we say, and the gods takes, they take 10 steps towards you and you get to the mountaintop where there's grace. Mm. And that's what we all need now. We need some grace, you know? Yeah. It's just the way it is. It's scary out there. Oh my God. It's scary. It's scary. It's scary, but we're gonna get through it. We're, you know, I don't think we're lucky enough to have the apocalypse come. Yeah, maybe that would be. Yeah, but so I like that though. Grace is 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 a dying art form sometimes, occasionally, and it's a good trait to embody at this particular time. I think a lot of people fail to understand Capricorn, the highest expression of Capricorn is actually love. Sometimes tough love. Yeah. Absolutely. But it's still love. Yeah. So that's, you know, I put my faith in that. You know, this is the only thing I have right now right. in my world. Yeah. You know, where I am right now. It's like, better love or fear. Yeah. Woman. And I'm like, dude, if I choose fear, I'm going to have a shitty day. If I choose love, it's going to be marvelous. Perfect. Yes. So choose love, people. You know, the fear isn't worth it. <laughs> False evidence appearing real. Um, so, all right, Saul, you, you were a pleasure to talk to. So where can people find you? What do you got going on? Oh, well, I'm on Facebook for sure. And uh, if not, I have my website over at soulwith.com. Um, I have this funny uh, surname. It's W-I-T-H. <laughs> Um, yes, so that's my uh, my um, my uh, homepage. But I'm also on Polaris Astrology on Facebook. That's where they can find my my um, uh, Facebook ramblings. And then also, actually, I am also on Instagram under the same uh, Polaris Astrology. Yeah, perfect. And if not, they find me over at New Paradigm Astrology. Yes. And so, and then you guys have uh, summits that you do, or you do uh, courses or? We have uh, an online course now with, uh, we're at the fourth um, segment now, and we have about 200 students there. And then we have a retreat coming up in Costa Rica. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's, um, it's that come back into life kind of retreat. It's like just, um, uh, come together and yeah. it's in May. So all, if you're curious to hear what we're going to do there, uh, we're bringing in Patricia Walsh and Rick Levine as well. And we're going to have some good old fashioned fun and nature and sun and waves and healing and, and astrology and everything that's cool. So that's like um, a real boon. It's like a, like a 
something I'm really looking forward to. Nice. Yes. Especially after January. No, I'm just kidding. I feel a little guilty of getting on that plane, you know? Oh, yes. You'll, yes. But who doesn't love, I'm like, who doesn't love Costa Rica to someone who's never been? But I hear, I hear it's fabulous. I hear it's beautiful. Um, So yes, well, fabulous. And I'll, I will definitely share your links on my uh, blog post as well, just in case you didn't get those and you want to quick, you know, click over to Soul there. So you can find me at energeticprinciples.com and on Instagram and Facebook at Energetic Principles. And also, you know, I'm, you know, myself and I'm assuming soul does consultations as well. So if you want yeah. to consult an astrologer about how, you know, Saturn Pluto is looking in your chart and, you know, how that might play out um, it, with more detail than our, because <laughs> we're kind of just taking a bigger uh, landscape view of um, just the overall world emphasis of this. Mm. Uh, but you know, it's all, it's happening. It's affecting us on a personal level as well. And as we said before, you know, personal does influence the collective, whether or not we believe it so. <laughs> but so, um, yeah. And if you want to support the podcast, that's what Patreon's for. Uh, Patreon.com backslash energetic principles. Share this podcast with a friend, leave a nice review, tell people about Saturn Pluto because, you know, I, if anything, it gives me solace because I'm like, this isn't just for nothing. This <laughs> this all has a yeah. point. <laughs> <laughs> it all has a point somewhere here. So I will get my I will get my final like reward after a while. After the yes, I have a friend who's due uh, two days after <laughs> having oh, a baby. Two oh. days after the Saturn Pluto. Um, oh, and wow! I was like, that's gonna be a hell of a baby. Um, <laughs> Yes. This is version 2.0. Yes. Like, definitely. Those babies being born. Well, that's another podcast, I'm sure. Maybe yeah, 20 years from podcast. now. But <laughs> uh, So, all right. So, well, thank you so much for joining me. I really do appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It was super. And thank you for listening and tuning in to us talk about Saturn Pluto. We really do appreciate it. And as always, may the stars be with you. Mm-hmm.